Welcome to Race Time Radio. What a beautiful night out there if you're in southern Ontario, uh, depending on where you are in southern Ontario. A little cool, but it is the fall. Uh, so glad you could tune in tonight live on Sirius XM, Channel 167 Canada Talks. I am Joe Chisholm, along with Joe Chisholm Jr., right here in the Race Time Radio Studio. Jr., what's going on? It's been a couple weeks. It has been a couple weeks. Yeah. And I tell you what, I can hear you a lot better this time around than I could last time. <laughs> yeah. Last but, time uh, you had a face full of race car. I did, for sure. It was definitely loud from the top of grandstands at uh, Flamborough Speedway to uh, uh, right here in the Race Time Radio Studio. The uh, The headset works a lot better. When you're when you're in the studio, yeah, I'll tell you that. So you had some fun down there, did you, for Oktoberfest? Yeah, the past uh, couple weekends had a lot of fun. Um, uh, really, you know, Delaware Speedway. It kind of started off. Uh, yeah, uh, what four weeks ago? Beginning um, of September. Yeah, somewhere around um, there. You know, Delaware Speedway uh, had a chance to uh, to pick up a W down there with Adrian Ranger. Uh, of course, I was on the show uh, the week after that. Yeah. Right? Yep. Um, then uh, went uh, Peterborough Autumn Colors. Um, that was a great weekend. Uh, spent the weekend with uh, J.R. Fitzpatrick and the Taylor Holdaway gang. Uh, spotted for Fitz, uh, J.R. Fitzpatrick in the Modified. Uh, picked up a second place in that. And then a fifth place with uh, with the Pro Late model. Uh, Should have been a win. But uh, <laughs> that's a whole other story. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Then uh, the next week after that... Uh, Frostoberfest, uh, Mike Schmidt and the gang put on a hell of a show mm-hmm. uh, down there at Flamborough Speedway once again. Um, uh, Mother Nature uh, kicked the living crap out of us, but yeah. uh, we ended up getting the uh, getting the race in, and and uh, you know it was it was a tough finish for us with Josh Stoddy. Um, we uh, uh, ended up getting wrecked out on I believe lap eight or nine. You know what? If that guy had luck, he'd have just bad luck. Yeah, that's all that guy it, had all year. Because I'll tell you, the team was fast. Yeah. Uh, I think back to testing up at Sobel, uh, Josh was rocket fast. I really thought he was going to end up with the victory there. Thought he was going to end up with the victory down at Flamborough. Um, he was fast all year. Poor guy didn't get a W. Yeah, no, definitely didn't. Um, it uh, it could have been raining dogs, and he would have got hit with a cat. Yeah, that's the way that it worked. <laughs> it was uh, it was incredible. Um, just to see the uh, the bad luck and and uh, really, you know, <laughs> the toughest part is of this game is luck comes into everything that you do with motorsports. Yep. Um, you know, there, it doesn't matter how good your car is, how good of a driver you are, how good, you know, uh, how big your sponsors are. It doesn't matter. You um, gotta have all you that. You gotta have all that. Those are all givens. But you gotta have a little bit of luck on your side. And, uh, you know, w- what we've seen out of Josh Stoddy in the 17 car this year was uh, a lot of heartbreak, unfortunately. You know, there was quite a few guys that had bad seasons this mm. year. When you, when you look down through the list. Yeah. 
Um, you know, uh, guys like uh, Jared Fitzpatrick. He had a, an atrocious season. Lost two race cars. What did he um, have though? He got one win this year, right? Well, he got one win in in uh, APC. in APC and uh, at Sunset Speedway, and then as well got the Frosttoberfest win, um, and uh, was credited. For a weekly win over at Flamborough Speedway with J- with DJ driving right, um, earlier right. on in the year, but uh, yeah, it, you know there was there was a number of guys that had you know a pile of rough luck. Um, I would I would say that Josh Stoddy had the worst luck out of all of them. <laughs> I would yeah. I would say that. Um, but honorable mention, um, uh, Roy Wilkie. We we uh, we went out there in the Superstock fifty lapper at uh, at Frostoberfest, and and uh, he was another guy with atrocious luck um throughout the year uh, but uh we ended up coming home second so uh second to lane zardo uh best or forest products the one two finish yeah. at Flamborough. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty yeah. cool for to see bruce and, and jory and those guys uh they 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 definitely earned that one and and uh, they built a little bit of momentum heading into uh 2022 they put a lot into it right um bruce bester not enough said about that gentleman not enough said uh, about the entire bester family i know really it's yeah, uh, it goes back so far right? oh it goes back so far and the love that their dad had right lauren bester um you know a local businessman uh in walkerton ontario or they would probably correct you and say that it's cargill <laughs> wherever <laughs> how, however you put it uh not that they would correct you but uh no you know in that in that area walkerton uh you know bruce county um you know lauren bester was a guy that that sponsored andy schmidt but also sponsored a raft of other guys. If you had a Ford, if you had a Blue Oval, um, I don't know what it was with the Ford attraction. Um, well, they if, loved if it. it. Had, they if loved it had a Blue Oval on it, Best of Force Products would sponsor it. Yep. Um, you know, in, in and around Sobel, or like Sobel Speedway, um, even going back to like Pinecrest, you know, you hear the stories, Varney Speedway. If it had a Blue Oval on it, there's a good chance that it had a Best of Force Products logo on it. And uh, um, really, for a long period of time, uh, Bester, Lauren Bester, and Andy Schmidt were, you know, an, inseparable. Inseparable. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's same with Tim Schmidt, the '94 car. He always had that beautiful green uh, number '94. Um, you know, with with Bester Forest products on it. Um, you know, those guys there had a heyday, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it, it seemed like even though there was still a car on the racetrack, and and Bruce and the guys owned it, and Lauren owned it. Um, you know, Kenny Groob took over that deal with with the thirty six car, um, and and I believe it was a car from Pat Schmidt. It was originally. the same car originally. Yeah, well, it was yeah, yeah. it was an old LTD, and uh, uh, you, you know they uh, Bruce Bester and those guys they 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 assumed it after Lauren passed away, and and uh, you know so they they had a car on the racetrack for a long period of time. Yeah. Um, uh, but just the one, right? It was just yep. the one car. There wasn't a whole lot of family involvement. We didn't see them at the track all the time and uh, those types of things. But over the last couple of years, Bruce really took a deep dive into into motorsports. And, he did. And he's a, he's a team owner. He, he's uh, passionate. Well, he even um, went just behind absolute, the wheel, right? Yeah, absolutely. And drove. Bruce, Bruce never yep. – he wasn't that guy. He wasn't that guy for a long no. period of time. And, no, no. And uh, – What was that, three years ago now? Maybe, yeah, four, three, years maybe four years ago? four years ago. He um, was the one that, that, that got that. 33 going and he was going to drive that car uh remember seeing him do it yep and partnered uh that 33 car that he's got um that that roy wilkie now drives um that was roy wilkie's old limited late model back in the day Um, oh was it yeah for for a long period of time 
Um, Roy Wilkie, you know, it was it was a Ford back then. Um, I believe it was Andy Schmidt's car originally. Um, so it's uh, it's got a lot of history behind it. Not the and Groundhog. We know no, where the Groundhog, the groundhog are. Is. Yeah, no, no. It, Andy Schmidt, just for listeners, uh, Andy Schmidt, all uh, like a multi-champion at Sobel Speedway, Ford forever, yep. uh, builds a new house, Andy's Country Repair. Is his company? He's got a racking yard too, um, but Andy builds a a new house, and when he did that, a beautiful home, I might add. He retired at a racing, and he took that car that he had all that success with, and he, when he was building the house, he built the car into the basement. Yeah, you can, and then built the house around it. He's yeah. got a bar downstairs. He's got his race car downstairs. And, I mean, it is 100% fully functional. It's all piped in, so it goes outside. And when Andy's having a good time down in his bar on a Friday night or whatever night, and he decides today that he wants to uh, get into his old race car and fire it up and get that feeling all back, he does that in the basement of his house. He jumps in that car, hits the starter button, and believe you me, that car made tons and tons of horsepower and uh, be a real thrill. I've heard about it. I haven't seen it, yep. but I've talked to lots of guys that have actually went into Andy's house, been fortunate enough to be there and have a couple of suds with him. And look at Andy go. He gets uh, behind the wheel and he fires it up in the basement. Yeah, no, for sure. That's uh, uh, really cool. And, and you know, uh, you know, talking about the Bester family, um, Really, the the amount of like I've always known them, right? Yeah. Like the yeah, yeah. Sobel Speedway, obviously grew up there um, or got older there. I guess I should say, um, <laughs> didn't, never never did grow up. Um, but uh, you're still not at that part. No, yet. no, no. <laughs> the growing portion happens all the time. Uh. Um, but you know, I've I've always known them. Uh, but over the last couple of years, you know, got to know got them. to know them, and yeah. and and uh, they are so passionate about motorsports and. And uh, the sport needs more people like that, 150%. And, and I think everybody in the pit area at every racetrack that we go to would echo that. Uh, they're always there to help. They're always there to, you know, lend a hand. They're always there to, uh, you know, be there for, for the competitors and, and uh, as well for the fans too. So um, definitely a, a cool deal. And, and it, it was a ton of fun to be a part of. Um, you know, even though we didn't get the results that we wanted all year, I think we broke four times out of five that I spotted for them. But, uh, uh, you know... And it was weird stuff that broke. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we ended up getting a second place, and it was a little bit of redemption there for, for Roy and those guys. But I do have to, before we throw it and go through the lineup of what we got tonight, this is a great show. Oh, yeah. But, got a but I got to throw a big shout-out to a guy that says that he never listens, but I know that he does every week, and it's Jeremy Noon. Jeremy Noon is a guy, you know, he's he's going to start a trucking company and, and uh, you know, he can guarantee every delivery by noon. Um, but, uh, you know, I we, we he was uh, crew chiefing for Josh Stoddy at, uh, at Flambro. We had a lot of fun. And, and uh, we're going to get him on this program. Uh, that guy there has worked on... You know, basically every McCall car that's left that building for a long period of time. Oh, really? And uh, just a uh, a great dude. You know, we've we've always had a lot of fun with him, but uh, first time working with him, and and uh, just a, a great cat. Obviously, we didn't get the results that we wanted, but uh, Jeremy is uh, he's a heck of a guy. Speaking of McCalls, just before we get to the lineup, uh, seeing the news yesterday, Matt Box lost his hauler, his race car, 
all of that stuff. They got stuff. it all back. They got it all back. I'm really glad to hear that. I heard the trailer was discovered yesterday. Yep. Uh, went was... missing yesterday morning. Yep. Uh, missing, I say missing, someone stole it. And uh, what, what just, uh, well, yep. I, I don't know, a couple hours later, trailer found. I didn't know whether that was with content, content or without. Yeah, the, the content was, was all there. So Good. Um, I'm glad to hear that. No damage? Nope. Good. It's good, amazing good, how good. many race car haulers get stolen and they find everything you know, intact well, because really good when they drop the back gate, they look inside and they say, what the hell is this? What am I going to do with yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, and guess what? Somebody's going to come looking for you. Oh, yeah. If you've uh, yeah. stolen someone's race car hauler and all that yeah, kind of stuff, yeah. believe you me, you do not want to get found out. No. That you were the one. Um, uh, it, 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 this is a family. This oh, is yeah. a network. And uh, it goes coast to coast and uh, north to south. So uh, you don't want to get... There ain't a whole lot of liberal forgive and forget no. <laughs> in racing. Not a lot at all. There's not On a whole lot about that. Off. Yeah, she's going to be uh, she's gonna be a rough day for you if you get caught with, uh, with somebody else's race car. <laughs> Let me tell you right now who we've got coming up on the show. We have got an outstanding program lined up for you tonight, everybody. Uh, we're going to kick it all off here shortly. Uh, we're going to talk to Nick Sheridan. You'll remember Jake Sheridan, uh, what, three weeks ago? He went on a run here on Race Time Radio, and we had Nick's brother, Jake, on the program. Uh, did a lot of winning. He uh, won the championship, Delaware Speedway in his pro late model. Won some races, uh, won an APC race back at the beach. Um, he, he, did a, he went on a real tear. Nick. We haven't talked to since, I believe, the spring. Uh, Nick, it is it, Jake's brother, drives a sprint car, usually out of Sweden. Uh, but, of course, that track didn't open this year. But the action sprint tour was uh, all over the province. It was running around at the different tracks. And Nick is part of that, drives the number 40... What is it? 45, I believe, is his car number. Uh, but we didn't get an opportunity to talk to Nick all summer. So we're going to talk to Nick tonight on the show. Uh, catch up with him. Take a look back at the season that was. He did have success, and we're going to talk about that tonight with Nick. And we're going to do that fairly shortly. Then uh, earlier this afternoon, uh, taking a look at Twitter, having a look around. Who do I see on there? But I follow Kenny Wallace. Love Kenny. Known him for many years. Uh, it, uh, met him, actually, down at Daytona International Speedway back when he was driving in NASCAR. Uh, and Kenny, and uh, I've known Kenny for a long time. Seen him on Twitter today. Said, hey, Kenny, you want to come on the show tonight? Junior's back in the studio. Uh, we have not caught up with Kenny Wallace since the IWK 250 a couple of years ago, more than a couple of years ago, because it's been a couple of years now, the IWK 250 hasn't even raced. So, um, you know, it's been a while. Said to Kenny, you want to come on tonight? We'll talk some dirt racing and catch up. And Kenny said, absolutely. Uh, so he's going to join us tonight on the show. No, he's a favorite of everybody. Uh, if you're into racing, of course, Kenny Wallace has got to be on your radar. He is one of those guys. Um, CSRA, you know, uh, up here in Canada, uh, the race cars are all packed away now, or in the midst of being packed away. I uh, believe this weekend uh, that this, this is it. Uh, Flamborough Speedway had an enduro race. That was yesterday, was it, Junior? 
Yes. Or last night. Yep. Dylan like Sharp. That. Dylan Sharp ended up picking up the win. Um, just a yeah, a, a massive event every year. You know. Um, yeah. I don't think that they got to the ten thousand dollar mark. Um, I, I and I apologize for everybody for not knowing that. I looked everywhere for a total result listing uh, of you know how much um, you know was uh, uh, you know doled out there. But uh, yeah, I believe if they hit one hundred twenty five entries, there would have been a ten thousand dollar purse. Yep. Or ten thousand dollar payout to the winner, um, but uh, I believe it was five five thousand if there was under that. So, um, and and by all accounts, I think there was under ninety cars there. So, wow, That's uh, but still, still a lot of cars, a ton man. of cars. Yeah. Uh, uh, just a uh, a blast. Uh, you know, that's the an entry level to a lot of guys. You know, you know how many racers about yeah, have started absolutely. into the short track game. Getting their start in an enduro race. Well, a, a big one that stands out to me is a guy that I work with on the regular, uh, Rick Verburn. His right. his first race ever okay. behind the wheel of a race car was an enduro at Delaware Speedway. Yes, and that and and uh, you know just uh, um, you know enduro racing is is kind of like a step up from from demolition derby, right? It's still <laughs> sure a race. It is. Sure, it is. Uh, you still get after it. Uh, you're not, not driving. You're not driving a gem. Not very um, often you see a, even a yellow flag in an endurance race, right? Exactly. If you got a wreck, uh, yeah. those guys, uh, the, those cars stay right in place, and the green flag stays out unless someone's in danger. Exactly. Somebody's in danger, then they'll throw yeah. the yellow. And They'll throw a usually, red, usually standing yeah, start, yeah. leave the cars there, yep. remove the drivers exactly. so no one gets hurt, and restart the race with those cars still in place on the racetrack. So uh, they they are exciting. Don't get me wrong. They're exciting. Uh, the final one was today or yesterday at, Del- at uh, Flamborough Speedway. But that's going to do it for short track racing as far as an organizational standpoint is that we are aware of. Now, there could be other races going to take place, I don't know, in Quebec or maybe out on the East Coast. I know they had a spooky one go on this weekend. Tim Terry had it on his site. Uh, Don't think there's anything else going on out West. Mm -hmm. Uh, Things are shut down out there. Short track racing, for all intents and purposes, is got a a bow on it. That's the end of it. Um, And... You know, what are we going to do all off season but get prepared for 2022? And the Snowcross series starts up uh, in, in what, like a month's time. The snow's going to be flying, and CSRA here in Canada, the national sanctioning body for Snowcross, is going to fire off. Ken Avan is the owner of CSRA Canada, and he is going to come on the show tonight. We're going to talk to him about the Snowcross series. And how things are all uh, sort of laying all out. I know he released his uh, schedule, at least the tentative schedule. Uh, and I got to add, Sobble Speedway is on that schedule. For the first time ever, Sobble Speedway is going to have a CSRA race. I believe it is Ken's season opener for CSRA. And uh, Snowcross and snowmobile racing is huge. In the own sound area, the own sound market, and it's been away for a lot of years, and it's not coming back to own sound, but it is coming back to the area in Sobble Speedway. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of excited people about that in this whole uh, Bruce County, Gray County market. Uh, there's going to be a lot of exciting, a lot of excitement built around that to have Snowcross back in the area. 
I think back to you, Junior, when you were just a wee guy on your uh, on your kitty cat. Yeah. Uh, you went out and you were in the Georgian Cup back then, and you still got the trophy and the little bib to prove it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's, uh, that was a Ken Van thing. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, snowmobile racing in Canada is huge, and and uh, you know, obviously the CSRA has grown and grown and grown. Um, they get competitors from all over the map. Uh, they've got a huge roster of sponsors, a huge roster of, of drivers, and, and there's actually quite a bit of crossover. You know, you look at, at teams like, uh, you know, Ed Hackinson Racing and, and the three team, Team 3 Red, um, Choco, right? Choco. Oh, it's, yeah. it, they're, they've got a massive snowmobile involvement. Um, you see a lot of that uh, that that crossover between them. Uh, of course, London Recreational. Mike Schmidt has got you know arguably the largest team in Canada when it comes time for snowmobile racing. Yes. Um, you know, there's a ton of crossover there. Not necessarily from the driver standpoint or the crew standpoint, but but a lot of the the players. Not a, uh, there's a handful yes. of players within oval track racing uh, that you see crossover um, and uh, as well, you know, participate, whether it be on the ownership side, the sponsorship side, what have you, um, on, on, the, uh, on the snow. So uh, definitely pretty cool. I think Sobel is a great venue for it. Um, you know, a lot of people say, why doesn't Sobel Speedway have like a late fall special? Yeah. Well, it's because there's nobody here. That's there's right. nobody at the cottage. Uh, and Sobel Beach has got the grand total of 500 people. Uh, you know, in in the month of October, in in the month of November, yeah. late September, there's nobody up here. No, when the snow starts falling, we've got some of the nicest snowmobile trails in in all of Canada. Oh, absolutely! In and around Sauble Beach, Chesley, Paisley, to, Newstadt. You in, would have to go to BC to beat what we've got here in Ontario from a snowmobiling perspective. Yeah, definitely. This is the hot spot. Yeah, we're it really we're, is. We're definitely in a in a great spot. Uh, uh, you know, for scenic trails for all all forms of snowmobiling um and relatively short jaunt from the city we usually have snow where the city doesn't so really in the winter time um this makes perfect sense and i think that you're going to see a tremendous amount of people ride their sleds to come out and watch snowcross i think you're going to have a wicked park a wicked amount of parking um of of snowmobilers that are going to come out and watch and 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 i think that you're going to have a record amount of people that uh, you know when it was in owen sound it was packed there was oh, a tremendous yeah. amount of people that would come out and watch and uh, so that's definitely a, a, a big portion of news. And as well, Sobble Speedway released, you know, their, you've got the driver's meeting coming out on November 27th. Yep. Um, there's some news on there, and there's some buzz makers that we're hearing lots of, uh, lots of people talk about. And it lists right on there, bandoleros are coming to Sobble Speedway. Yeah. Um, yep. First track in Ontario yeah, to have them. There's been a tremendous amount of people talking about it. Um, you know, there's, I've probably received 15 messages from people. Hey, bandoleros, what is this about? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. is this supposed to say junior lates? No, it's supposed to say bandoleros. Um, so, uh, that meeting on the 27th will be really interesting to see. And, um, you know, just a, a, a very, very unique, uh, platform, uh, you know, for, for the kids to get involved. And, uh, uh I, I think that, uh, there's going to be a lot of excitement there. I know a lot of listeners realize and knew that I was uh, the general manager of Sobble Speedway uh, all the season. Uh, won't be the general manager come next year. 
Uh, still going to take care of the driver's meeting this time around. Still going to be with the Speedway in a limited perspective uh, through marketing, new business development, and mentoring. Still going to do all that and looking forward to it. But there will be a new general manager at Sable Speedway for the 22 racing season. Going to be some exciting stuff. Also on tonight's program, how about the Pro Late Model Championship winner from Flamborough Speedway? Uh, uh, talk about young, hot drivers, uh, Kyle Steckley. It don't get much hotter than Kyle Steckley. He did it this year, champion at Flamborough Speedway in his first year in a late model. Guy goes out and does it. Uh, Kyle is going to join the show tonight. So we got a busy, busy program. Uh, we're going to hit this first break. And then, Junior, what do you say we dive right into tonight and we will grab Nick Sheridan and get him on the air. What do you think? Looking forward to it. That's Jake's what, brother. Jake's brother. <laughs> yeah. Jake, is he older or younger? Younger. Is he? Yeah. That younger brother? Younger. Well, he's doing pretty good. He's going to be the older one tonight. <laughs> you can bet. We're going to be back in just a moment. You hang out. This is going to be a good show. Stick around. Dave Jacobs, Racetime Radio. We'll be right back. From coast to coast, coast. you're listening to Canada Talks. Star Power Wise, this is going. The American League Championship Series is on Sirius XM. The Red Sox have won the division series. Hear every pitch of the postseason, including your hometown announcers on the SXM app. The Houston Astros will play in the American League Championship Series. Nobody gets you closer to the action than MLB Network Radio with live on-site pregame shows on Channel 89. Experience baseball's postseason on Sirius XM and the SXM app, free for most subscribers. Race Time Radio is brought to you by RPM Race Parts. Order today. Race tomorrow. Also by VP Race Fuels, the worldwide leader in race fuel technology. And by Dawson Dental Centers. Get your victory lane smile at DawsonDental.ca. Even though Napa is a nationally known name, nearly all of our stores are built from the ground up by local owners and families. People you might call neighbors will be here, there, and everywhere doing what neighbors do to keep their communities moving forward you stop by a napa auto parts store you can count on napa know-how canadians will camp like never before this season family time will be spent outside around the campfire be prepared for all the elements be sure to pack quick quick fire starters no need to haul paper or kindling just pop a quick quick fire starter into the pit add your wood and presto, you're a professional camper. Let the stories begin. Quick Quick Fire Starters, making social distancing bonfires fun. Alexa, play NASCAR radio on Sirius XM. Sirius XM NASCAR radio from Sirius XM. Start your engine! Get access to NASCAR's biggest name. Martin Truex Jr. Kyle Busch. Chase Elliott. Hear live coverage of every single race. They're side by side for the win. Woo! It's unfiltered 24-7 NASCAR. Welcome to Victory Lane. we got breaking news. Let's go to the hotline. This is Sirius XM NASCAR radio channel 90. Listen on the app or at home on devices equipped with Amazon Alexa. Learn more at SiriusXM.com slash NASCAR. Tonight's Race Time Radio is brought to you by Napa Auto Parts Stores, Port Hawkesbury, New Glasgow, 
and Indy Gaddish, Nova Scotia. Also by APX Racewear and Quickwick Fire Starters, the world's best fire starter. If you're a Springsteen fan, you just found the promised land. Hear rare interviews and performances. Live concerts. Is there anybody DJs. This is Rob Lowe. Hey, baby, it's little Steven here. And more exclusives when listening to Bruce Springsteen's channel. Welcome, Bruce Springsteen, to E Street Radio, your home away from home. Great to meet you. E Street Radio, Sirius XM Channel 20. Race time radio to go. Streaming live or on demand. And welcome back, everybody, to Race Time Radio. So glad you could tune in tonight on Sirius XM Channel 167 Canada Talks. Uh, we are going to get to the hotline, and what do you say we welcome in our first guest? Uh, this driver drives the number 45. He is a sprint car driver, loves getting her done on the dirt, and he makes it fly each and every time. He had a decent 2021 Let's welcome in Nick Sheridan. What's going on tonight there, Nicholas? How are you? Oh, I'm good, Joe. Just uh, finished up a little dinner. You had a little birthday dinner. It was Jake's birthday last week. We missed it because we were racing, so just uh, finishing that up now. Ah, I, t- I told him to introduce deal. you as Jake's brother, but he wouldn't do it. He's too nice. That's right, isn't it, Joe? Uh, <laughs> see, Nick, I'm on your side, buddy. Uh, these these guys always pick it on you and stuff. You had a good year, brother, didn't you? Now, I know uh, the, the older brother goes out and wins a championship at Delaware Speedway. But, uh, you, you know, after all, he is older. He should be getting the job done. Uh, you had a good year, though. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, it was definitely awesome to see what Jake did this year at Delaware with his whole weight mall program. Very proud to be a part of that when I can. But, uh, yeah, we had a great year for sure, too, on the dirt with our car. We uh, they went up winning one race over this year and ended up third in points on the tour, which for our first year there, running a lot of new tracks, we uh, learned quite a bit. And it's uh, getting ready and awesome to be back at it next year. Nick, uh, talking to you about that a little bit this year, I, I think it was at Sunset Speedway, you and I stood there and, and shot the breeze a little bit about uh, about that very thing, um, it, about you bouncing around from track to track uh, uh, for really getting getting the chance to, to see the different racetracks in Ontario, getting the chance to tour around a bit. Um, were you shocked at the differences from track to track, and and were you shocked at at how each track changes differently with the weather conditions and things like that? Oh yeah, for sure. That definitely definitely woke us up with our team this year. We uh we had three or four new tracks we went to our first time this year, and that's the one thing with the dirt racing is the dirt is different every single place you go, so it changes different throughout the night and with the weather and just so many variables we had to work on changing our car to figure a bunch of stuff out and uh all in all went well but definitely made our notebook a lot larger to go back there in the future isn't that incredible really when you look at at you know uh, the world of outlaws guys that travel around to you know 60 70 80 90 different tracks in a year um i imagine that uh that those guys you know it it, it throws them fits across the board and and i can only imagine you know being the first year where you're hitting a bunch of different racetracks it would definitely be an eye-opener yeah for sure it uh, woke us up for sure like i was saying before and i have no idea how those guys do if i was them i'd have like eight drawers just full of notes in every place <laughs> i've been to but uh it's definitely hard to learn how to read the track which our, our team and myself included getting a lot better at doing that this year than we were in the past so uh just a big learning curve 
Nick, did you come out after the end of the season here? Can you look back and do you have a favorite uh, racetrack that you toured to that you hadn't gone to before? Did you did, do you come away with a favorite? And is it because of the actual racing surface that it becomes, you know, maybe a little higher ranked in Nick's uh, category? Yeah, no, one of uh, one of my favorite racetracks we went to this year for the first time would be Cornwall that we raced at, which is uh, way out east. It's a long drive, but uh, it's definitely hard on tires there, but the track and the people there are so friendly, and the racing the way the night goes is just so on time and scheduled, and the track is a lot of fun. But uh, we also got a lot better at Merrittville Speedway around here. Uh, that's where we did win our one race this year, and just uh, learning a lot about these smaller tracks since we couldn't get back to Oshriegan this year. You know, Nick, uh, the first time I went to Merrittville, um, I like quite a few years ago now, uh, went to Merrittville, and it was back... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of what year. It doesn't matter what year it was. Our first experience there, the World of Outlaw late models were in. And uh, I want to say by the time the feature rolled around, it was the, the dust coming off that track was so heavy. Now, we were over in the pits, right? So maybe not in the, you know, the best spot to be to go watch the race. Uh, but the dust and dirt was so heavy coming off that racetrack that you know you could it would have been impossible to stand and watch the race um and, you know and then counter to that i go to a week in that same year and uh here i am standing in the pits watching the race and i didn't have that same experience so uh, what causes that you you coming from the dirt world you'd know what would cause that uh is it the different types of clay or different types of dirt uh, that that would create that, or is it just maybe the humidity of the night? There is so much science that goes into the dirt on the track. I honestly couldn't tell y'all. We've only been at it for a couple three years, but uh, a lot of that would have to do with the amount of moisture they put on the track before, and the sunlight, and how much humidity is in the air. If it's if it's a really dry day, then it'll definitely get dusty, like you were saying. But if they put a lot of water on the racetrack, then uh, usually the dust stays down and ends up being a lot more grip in the surface, which is a lot faster of a racetrack. But uh, when the sun's out and when it starts drying up and there's dust like that, it's just all you can do to search for grip. Incredible. I know I found out what turtling was. I didn't know what the hell turtling was, but I sure found out Adam West, I believe, was the driver. Uh, he was on the racetrack. He come in, and I was standing in uh, over by Tech Lane at this weekend, and this car come off the racetrack, and the driver was sort of waving me over. And I thought, well, he can't be waving me over. I'm the radio guy, right? I know nothing about nothing here. And uh, sure enough, the driver's waving me over. So I thought, well, I looked around. Nobody, nobody coming. So I thought, okay, well, he must want me. I went over, and it was Adam West. He ended up getting a chunk a turtle, if you will, come right through and it smacked him right in the kisser and his nose was bleeding. And uh, so so I found out what turtling is and you don't want to see that in the racetrack. Uh, but man, did he ever get hammered with a chunk uh, that came up off another car? Do you ever run into experience like that in your sprint car? Have you, have you seen chunks like that go flying and have you been lucky enough to avoid them? Well, thankfully, the last few years, the racetrack we've been racing at has been prepared very well, and there's not a lot of those turtles out there. But when we were running on Shreegan one night in 2019, I had one come off and hit me in the chest in the car and almost knocked a window to me. But uh, we still managed to end up finishing that night all right. But usually when the track's really heavy with a lot of water on, you'll have those chunks coming off. But uh, this year, a lot of the tracks we went to were super slick and dry, and 
we're not too good with the slick and dry setup. We got a lot better throughout the year, but uh, I can't wait to get back to one of those heavy tracks like Australia. I'm really looking forward to that. If you're just tuned into Race Time Radio, welcome aboard, everybody. On our hotline right now, we have. Uh, we we got Mr. Sheridan. Mr. Nick Sheridan drives the number 45 in the Action Sprint Tour, uh, regular at a weekend when it's open. Uh, Nick, how long have you been in a sprint car, and is uh, is this your comfort zone? You're going to stay with sprint car because I know there's not, not much other movement you can do uh, when you're a sprint car driver. I guess you go to a modified, big block modified, or a 410 sprint. Uh, do you have aspirations to move up through the dirt end of it, or are you pretty happy right where you're at? We definitely have some great aspirations to move up through the ranks. Uh, the crate sprint car is more of an entry division into the 360 sprint car ranks around here, and the 360s are very popular down in the States and even up here in Canada. So we'd love to get into one of those hopefully in the next few years and uh, just love to do anything we can with racing. I, I have a lot of comfort in a sprint car. I've been just finished our third year counting the kind of six races in 2020. Wouldn't really call it bad a year, but if you include that, it's been three, and we're very comfortable with that with our team and everybody. We have a, we got a decent comfort level with those, and I really enjoy driving them. Nick, uh, you touched on a little bit of the, the racetrack changes and, and, and all of those different things. I always get a kick out of talking to a sprint car guy because they, it seems like everybody has got a, a, a preferred style of racetrack. I, I know all you racers you know, would say my favorite race is the next race. But what's your favorite style of track? Would you rather it be slicked off? Would you rather, you know, have a, a big cushion at the top? Would you rather, like, what is your what is your favorite style of racetrack to drive on? A lot of people talk about how awesome the slick tracks are, and I do not agree with them. I like a big, nasty cushion to run on the outside. We're uh, we're really fast with the grippy track, and it's a lot of fun to show show how brave you are and how fast you can how you, know, you can get that done. That's cool. Yeah, the uh, bravery. The bravery is a thing with sprint cars, uh, right? I, I know with all forms of motorsports, bravery is a thing, right? Because you got to be brave enough to on a on an asphalt oval. You got to be brave enough to throw it down on the inside of somebody. Uh, you got to be brave enough to you know wheel it up top. But when it comes time for sprint cars, a lot of the ground made up is kind of that bravery trigger, right? Like that's that's how you are able to move up through the field or or make those passes with sprint cars. Really, it's not about the the tight scenario or, or like the tight close quarters. It's about you know keeping your foot in it. And yeah. and, and my balls are bigger yeah, than your exactly. balls. Exactly. Yeah, and, yeah. and, when when I look at that, uh, you know, you you do have that 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 side of daredevil, um, you know, when it comes time for for sprint car racing, Nick. How do you balance that, you know, and not end up on the lid every time? How do you balance that that bravery trigger and and the smart trigger behind the wheel? It's uh, definitely a fine line to figure that out. But once your car is set up and it's comfortable, you can definitely push it a lot harder than if it's not handling too well. But uh, I, I like to consider myself a little more cautious throughout the traffic, but it's uh, it's tough to find out where that line is. And we've been very fortunate to been saving a lot of wings the last couple of years. We've been running pretty well, haven't had too many accidents. But uh, it's just, uh, it's just uh, I don't really know how to describe it. It's just you can't think twice about it once you're out there. You just got to you got to go with your gut instincts. If you think twice about it, you're usually already too late. You're going to be a good guy to ask this question to, I believe, Nick. Uh, driving a crate sprint car. 
you know, uh, Oswegan. Let's use that as that's the track you're probably most familiar with. You go out and you run the best lap time you've ever ran in your sprint car. And then I go out with a, a 360 car. How much difference is your lap time-wise between my fast lap as a real fast uh, 360 car and your lap? We're both in sprint cars. What's the difference between the two on a lap perspective? Now, are you driving or is this a good no, no, 360 just... car driver? <laughs> <laughs> Which one is it? Keep it up, kid. I'm sorry, Keep it I'm, sorry up. Nick. I'm talking a fast guy to a fast guy. Um, with the with at Oshwegan, when the track is very heavy with a lot of grip, 360 motors will help out a bit. We've seen them; uh, they're over a second faster than us usually when it's super grippy. But as the track starts to slick off and lose its grip, so you can't really do as much with the motors. So we've had actually nights when the track is super slick where the crates have turned faster lap times than the 360s. That doesn't happen too often. It's usually about a second faster with them. And what is that? That's time in the turns, right? You'll be, you'll be able to go through the ends quicker than what a 360 car would because they may have to lift before they get back on, or what's that speed attributed to? Well, the 360 cars, they have so much more power. They have to slow down so much more to get through the corners, or with the crate car, usually you're about the same speed almost not the same speed, we are closer to the same speed all the way around, so you can carry a lot more momentum to the center of the corner. Gotcha. So, uh, uh, now, the difference between a 410 and a 360, uh, w- would it be another second, or would it be even greater than that? It all, all obviously depends on what kind of track you're at, but I believe the 410 record at Oshwegan is 12.6 seconds, I believe, wow. and we were setting uh, almost... Four, like high 14, 15 second lap times with the crate. Really? So it's really like for all intents and purposes, not really. I know that's a lot of a lot of speed for a race car guy. You guys battle for tenths of a second and you go crazy to get it. But from a fan perspective, fans are never going to see a second, are they? No, and uh, you definitely notice that when you when you watch a crate sprint car race versus watching a three sixty or a four ten race, just. The feeling in your chest and the sound, and they are just so much faster at the end of the straightaway. It's really, it's really breathtaking to watch one of their races. It makes us crate cars look kind of slow. <laughs> no way, no, it doesn't. I've been there, and I've, I, I, now I haven't seen the crate sprints go, but I was there for Tony Stewart's uh, first ever sprint car win. Uh, spoke, spoke with him, interviewed him afterwards. Uh, we did see the world of outlaws there uh, at us weekend every year that they were there. Uh, and a wild, wild show. Uh, always love watching them. But you know what? I got to say, even the, uh, the, the the other sprint cards, you guys, and the I believe it was the Empire Sprints, uh, the Patriots, uh, the ones that we've seen through the, um, uh, through the Canadian Sprint Car Nationals, I liked that show just as much as I liked a World of Outlaws show. It was really entertaining. All of them were. Yeah, they definitely put on a great show with the three cities. It's uh, it's great racing all the way around with them and the outlaws. There's a lot of good guys you can watch racing, but uh, the outlaws just when you watch one of them put down a fast lap during qualifying with the track so heavy, it's uh, it's really something you can't forget. You know, Nick, you know, one of the things that uh, that jumps off the page it's it's not that long ago that Glenn Styers and those guys said, "Let's create a a crate sprint car class." Right? It's not that long ago. What are we talking? It's like six years? Four. Four years, I think, isn't it? How long, Nick, would you ballpark it? Five years? I think it's five or six years now, but I think it was 2015 was the first year. So, yeah, six years. So, So looking back on it, 
you know, obviously there, that's the starting point. Um, you know, and and really a crate sprint car is just a it, it, it's a three sixty sprint with a four or with a with a you know a six oh four crate engine in it, right? Like that's there's not a whole lot of differences from from you know the 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 chassis and and those types of things. So there's there was lots of sprint cars kicking around. But really, when you and I have that conversation at the racetrack of how things are going and, and those types of things, um, you always reflect back on how many cars there were, right? And how many cars are at the racetrack. And it seems like I have that same conversation with everybody. Um, talk a little bit about the car count in that 604 crate sprint car class, because I think it's going to shock a lot of listeners out there at, at how many cars show up to these deals. Yeah, no, they are, there's 602 sprint cars, uh, 602. 602 motors in That's them, right. but uh, there's just an amazing amount of people at these races. I remember at Oshriga in 2019, I think we had 45 cars show up for 24 spots at the Nationals, which is pretty crazy. Uh, definitely the first half this year, I think we had a consolation race with at least five guys going home every night. That's been 30 insane. cars showing up, but near the end of the year, we ran a lot of races this year, and there was a couple of guys that just couldn't quite commit to the full schedule, so... I don't believe that there was a night that we were missing any cars. There was a couple nights we didn't run any last chance races, but over 24 cars pretty much every single night this and, year. And it, the division's only six years old. Right, right, right. That's and that's, building. That's an incredible statistic. You know, when you look at, at you know, a new division on asphalt or, or you know, a, a, a even like a, a long-term division on asphalt, you're, you're – talking you know a, a full car field is is a huge thing it's a feather in the cap for the promoter the feather in the cap for the for the officials and the sponsors and all that great stuff um but really a six-year-old division um and and the the caliber of competition that you're seeing uh at at you know whether it be Ashwikan on a regular saturday night when when it was rolling uh or when it gets back to it um really th- there's a lot of names that we're seeing you know, make the transition from asphalt to dirt uh, or, or uh, you know, stepping up from the mini stock division, from the super stock division uh, on the dirt side and stepping into a crate sprint car uh, where that delta was probably a, a, a far greater jump to go from a super stock or, or a mini stock into a 360 sprint. Um, it, it bridged the gap. And, and I wouldn't doubt that you're going to start seeing over the next couple of years, guys like yourself and, uh, you know, a, a guy that, you know, a bunch of guys jump from the the 602 crate into a 360 now, right? Like you're you're priming yourself and getting ready for that. Um, I imagine that it, it, you know, and and I I don't think I'm the only one in the industry to say this, but you know, hats off to Glenn Styers and those guys for getting this deal rolling. No, for sure, this is an amazing stepping stone class to get into the future sprint cars, which are 360s, and that one of the the biggest things with this class is just how affordable it can be to run with the. Uh, which the motors are running, they're not really that expensive to put one together, and you can get a used sprint car off somebody for not that much money. So it's a great way to get your foot in the door and start getting your sprint car experience figured out and your parts figured out and getting some spares and everything, getting ready to make that jump in the future and know you're ready when you get into that 360 class. There's a lot of hard hitters there, and it's definitely a hard class to be in. I've ran one race there, and it's just uh, <laughs> it's crazy to say the least, but it's just definitely a great class to get your feet wet and jump up into that three, those 360 ranks. I know Junior touched on it through conversation there. Is it just a motor change? Is the rest of that sprint car, all the parts and pieces other than the motor, the same as a 360 car? Well, technically, yes. You should be able to just change a motor and go out. The 360 cars are allowed a couple of things. They're allowed to be a little lighter. They're allowed to run some uh, titanium fasteners and that, which we aren't allowed at all. But 
you would be 100% legal to just pull the motor and put another one in and go. But there's obviously a couple of little things you could change to get yourself just that much closer to the ballpark. So it's very similar. It's very similar to the jump from like crate late model in the U.S. to super late model, right? Like you could just throw a super late model motor in and go to try to qualify well, to yeah, the but, derby. Yeah, but, but you got shocks. You got other things. That's what I'm trying to get at. What he's saying is, is you wouldn't be competitive if you just dropped a 360 sprint motor in that car and went. Well, is it the same? shocks that's what i was getting at is it the same shocks same parts same pieces uh other than the motor you're carrying different loads it would be different no matter what well a little lighter a little lighter but uh the same parts and pieces uh it, it so the experience you get it's not the difference uh you know like putting a bigger power plant in it is something that you really got it takes a lot to get used to that bigger power plant but if the car if the nucleus around you is the same the ride should be pretty close to being the same other than more power uh, is what I'm sort of seeing. And that's the cool part to me. How many tracks, Nick, are running the crate sprint now? Because it did start at this weekend. How how many other tracks are running them now? Can you, uh, you know, uh, Friday night is, of course, uh, out of this weekend. If, uh, there, is there a Saturday night track where you can go run? Uh, there is uh, no other track right now running any weekly stuff with the Crate Sprints, but usually there's Oshrig and then there's the Touring Series, which I believe we visited nine tracks this year, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not 100% sure, but it's eight or nine. There's quite a few tracks getting on board with running the Tour, and I would not be surprised to see a lot more tracks out east start doing weekly. Um, actually, no, I, I lied to you guys. My bad. There's a Rockville out has a weekly Crate Sprint class as well, and this class has started really taking off out in the east coast, or east coast, eastern Ontario there. This right. year, it's getting a lot bigger out there, and there's going to be quite a few cars running around here in Ontario. Pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff. Nick, final question for you. Uh, you the, the name Sheridan goes way back. Of course, your dad, uh, Ron Sheridan, driver of the 52, uh, multi-champion in late model Delaware Speedway, seen him in NASCAR Canadian Tire Series competition, known your dad forever, asphalt through and through. Where did you come up with the love for dirt? And, uh, you know, you see Jake, he's on asphalt, kind of doing what, you know, maybe what Dad was doing. Uh, where did you get the love for dirt racing, and how did that all come to uh, to fruition? And you've got, you know, your dad with you on dirt one night, and then, you know, we see Ron every now and then over on the asphalt side with Jake. You know, that I get asked that question quite a few times, Joe. It's uh it's kind of a long, weird story, but uh, we started running the micro sprints, which were basically miniature sprint cars on dirt, both Jake and I. And then from there, he kind of ventured on into the asphalt world, and we were running pretty good on the dirt stuff. And we kind of just decided to kind of try our hands in the dirt world and just trying something new with me. So uh, we had a, my co-owner, Rickford, he had a car, and he asked me if I wanted to drive it. And he kind of got us kind of started with the dirt stuff, and then we've all worked together and just brought our team to a whole other level out there. And been awesome having my dad along for the journey we are both learning just so much so many new things in the dirt world compared to asphalt there's a lot of things you could take away but there's quite a few things that are a whole lot different well that's what that's why you guys are one of those teams that absolutely everybody's got to watch whether it's sheridan on asphalt sheridan on dirt uh you guys get her done and i can't wait to see what all unfolds in the future for you guys uh, uh nick you do a tremendous job congratulations on the success this year, third in that action sprint tour. Not bad. You know, Dykstra, he he put together a great season. And 
Uh, it's going to be exciting, I'll tell you. 2022, I can't wait to find out what that 45 car is going to do uh, and what the whole class is going to do. It's going to be pretty exciting, man. Yeah, no, for sure, Joe. I'm very excited to see next year, and thanks for putting together an impressive season. But uh, hopefully maybe we'll be able to do something like that in the future. And, uh, again, thanks for having me on the show. It's just uh, awesome to be here again. You betcha. We uh, much appreciate the time. And uh, you take it easy. I know we'll be in touch. Say hi to the old boy for us. Say hi to uh, uh, to that other brother of yours. And uh, stay out of trouble, man. We'll be following along on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, we'll get you back on the show through the offseason and see how the plans are coming with that 45. That sounds awesome. I'd love to be on again. I'll let him know you say hi. Thanks a lot. You betcha. That is Nick Sheridan, a great driver here in Ontario. Watch for him in 2022. Uh, i got a sneaky suspicion, man. You're going to see him right at the top of the charts. We've got to hit this quick break. When we come back, Kenny Wallace is going to join the show. Stick around. We will be back. Hey, this is Kurt Busch, and you're listening to Race Time Radio. From coast to coast, 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 to coast you're listening to Canada, to Canada Talks. Race Time Radio is fueled by BP Race Fuel the worldwide leader in race fuel technology. Dawson Dental Centers. Get your victory lane smile at DawsonDental.ca. Finally, winter is in the rearview mirror. Camping this year is going through the roof. Be prepared for your getaway. Pack a good supply of Quick Quick Fire Starters. Seasoned pro campers have been using Quick Quick Fire Starters for over 30 years. No need to take paper or kindling. Just add your wood and your Quick Quick Fire Starter. And let the stories begin around the campfire. Quick Quick Fire Starters, the official starter of spring and summer. The NBA is back. He threw it down for the stars. Here every game on Sirius XM. And your hometown announcers on the SXM app. Giannis in attack mode. Baseline lifting, shooting. Goal, he hit it. As Giannis and the Bucks look to defend their title, the experts on NBA radio, Channel 86, will tell you what it's going to take. This is historic stuff. He went from a really nice player to an unstoppable offensive force. Don't miss a moment with SiriusXM and the SXM app. Yes! Free for most subscribers. Even though Napa is a nationally known name, nearly all of our stores are built from the ground up by local owners and families. People you might call neighbors will be here, there, and everywhere doing what neighbors do to keep their communities moving forward you stop by a napa auto parts store you can count on napa know-how tonight's race time radio is brought to you by napa auto parts stores new glasgow andy ganesh and port hawksbury nova scotia you can count on napa know-how Men, 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 morning men. Hi, I'm Evan Cohen, and I'm Mike Babchat. We were given 30 seconds to describe our show, Morning Men, on Mad Dog Sports Radio, so I'll ask you some questions, and you give me the answers. What do we do for fun? You go to the diner with your family. Me? I drink and forget I have a family. Biggest crush? You? Tom Brady. Me? Anyone in yoga pants. What do we want to do more of? You? Talk about what happened the night before in the world of sports. Me? I would like to do more of my wife. (laughs) I think we just ran out of time. Morning Men, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern, Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM 82, and the Sirius XM app. Tonight's Race Time Radio is brought to you by Rev TV Canada, Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, and by GetRackHunter.com. Race Time Radio. Only on Sirius XM 167. We get you closer. I want my MPG. 
If you're looking for miles per gallon, you're definitely at the wrong place. Maybe a few channels up or a few channels down, you'll find it. But this is Race Time Radio. I love the Beatles. Don't forget, you can get to the Beatles channel. Channel 18 on Sirius XM. Uh, I frequent that channel lots, along with my 70s on 7. But welcome back to Race Time Radio, everybody. You are on Channel 167 Canada Talks. I'm Joe Chisholm, along with Junior, right here in the Race Time Radio studio. Uh, we got Kenny Wallace coming up, but before we do that, uh, we're going to throw it back to Toronto and get you up to date on Maybe some of the news and highlights that you may have missed in hour number one from a worldly perspective. But it only takes 90 seconds, and then we're going to come back for hour number two. We've got Kenny Wallace coming up. We've got Canavan. How about that? A pair of Kenny's coming up. And a Kyle. A Kyle uh, Steckley is going to join the show in hour number two. So we've got an action-packed hour two, needless to say. But, you know, Junior, just quickly here, uh, listening to Nick talk about the variety of racetracks that he goes to, you know, a young driver still getting his feet wet in his sprint car. Uh, you know, in contrast to that, we've got Kenny Wallace coming up on this show. And, uh, you know, from the days that he hung up his NASCAR helmet, he has not hung up his racing helmet by any stretch. He's been winning races on dirt tracks. And, you know, Kenny Wallace has always had a love for dirt tracks. Uh, anybody that follows Kenny on Twitter uh, or Facebook, Twitter is what I know I follow Kenny on. And uh, you, you never know what dirt track he's going to show up to on a nightly perspective. It's cool, and it'll be great to catch up with Kenny here. Oh, yeah, definitely. And you know what attributes to that is eyeballs. Right, So Kenny Wallace has got a brand name built up in the sport, and he gets opportunities like none other because he's got a brand name behind him. When you look at uh, what Nick and what the Sheridan camp are building over there, mm. you look at the 52 car on the asphalt side, you look at the 45 on the dirt side, they've got the same sponsors they carry over. They're building a media empire, and, and it's one it's one bolt, it's one nut at a time, right. one tire at a time. And you know when you look at the amount amount of reach that the 45 and the 52 have on any given weekend across Ontario, across Canada, when it comes time for motorsports, um, you know, you look at the sponsors that he's got, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible because they are, uh, you know, on racetrack all the way throughout the weekend, all summer long, uh, and uh, very diversified. I can't wait to catch up with Kenny, and you're not going to have to wait any more than about, oh, I don't know, two minutes, and we're going to have Kenny Wallace on with us. Can't wait to find out what he has been up to. I haven't been totally up to date with Kenny. Uh, it's been a busy year, but we're going to get caught up with Kenny Wallace on the other side of the news update. And we are going to throw it back to you, Scotty, in Toronto. Get us up to date. you got 90 seconds. And then the Herminator coming on along with the rest of our guests in hour two. Uh, it's going to be real good. So stick around, everybody. We will be back in just a couple of moments. Stay right there. You're listening to Canada Talks on Sirius XM, Channel 167. Race Dive Radio is brought to you by the Quality Inn, Halifax Airport. 
the official stay of the Racetime Radio broadcast crew. Also by APX Racewear, the motorsports leader in custom crew apparel and fire suits. Also by the Wooden Door Bistro. Broadcasting live from the track. We're here to get trophies. Never give up, baby. Sirius XM NASCAR Radio Channel 90 is your home for all things NASCAR. The yellow lights come on. Oh. Everything's happening so fast. Every race. Hard contact into the safer barrier. Exclusive interviews. This is more than just a job. We don't get caught up in being famous. The only broadcasting outlet in the world. Delivering NASCAR 24-7, 365. Thank you, you are the man. Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Channel 90. With the two Joes here on Race Time Radio on Sirius XM 167. We're Canada Talks. And just like that, our number two begins tonight live on Sirius XM Channel 167 Canada Talks. So glad you could tune in, everybody. Uh, and let's get back to the hotline, shall we? I am fortunate enough. To call this next guest not only one of the best all-round drivers that I know, but he's also a friend of mine and has been for a lot of years. Let's welcome in the Herminator, Kenny Wallace. What's going on tonight, Herm? How are you? Well, buddy, it might be a Sunday night, but the shop's wide open. Got a couple great dirt racers down here. They're working off using my shop here in St. Louis, Missouri, because they're on their way to another racetrack midweek, so... Still a lot of racing going on down here in the middle of the United States. I wouldn't doubt it. How did your 2021 season go this year, Herm? How many checkered flags are hanging on the wall now in that shop? Well, we've got about 94 wins, but we only won about five this year. You know, it's hard to win them all every year, but it was a good year, meaning that, you know, we didn't tear anything up. We were super competitive, uh, five wins, but, um, you know, it, 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 it years are like that, you know. So I was happy with it. We're still not done. Uh, myself and Kenny Schrader are going to go down and drive some other people's cars in Nashville, Tennessee, at the Nashville Fairgrounds for the uh, All American 400 weekend. Uh, so we're going to run on Saturday. They got a hundred lap, uh, a lower division, and we're going to go down there and do that. And then, um, and then I'm going to go down to Volusia, Florida. Volusia's running. Uh, I'm still. I'm gonna run my dirt car down there. Ah. I'm gonna run down there November 13th and November 20th. So my last race to be November 20th. Yeah. So that there is a uh, prelude or a test session for what's going to come at Speed Weeks because I know you always dive down there head first uh, as soon as Speed Weeks all fires up on dirt. Well, you got me figured out, buddy. You exactly <laughs> right. So. uh it's uh, it's seven thousand to win on uh, November twentieth. It's uh, obviously David Rudiman's family, Buzzy Rudiman. It's a memorial race uh, for one of the relatives, and uh, I'm excited, you know. But listen, it gets it's starting to get cold here now, so it's time to head south. So we're gonna they they outlawed some things on the race cars that changed some rules. So we thought we'd go on down to uh, Florida this November, and like you just said, get a head start on some of these new rules. Kenny, how many, uh, we just had Nick Sheridan on the program, young sprint car driver up here in Canada. Uh, he had a decent year, got a win, finished third in the action sprint tour. Uh, got around to about nine different racetracks this year. Uh, in contrast to that, I said, hey, we got a veteran coming up in Kenny Wallace. 
Uh, how many dirt tracks do you get to? I know uh, you and Kenny, you're going to go out and you're going to drive the late model races. We've seen you at the IWK 250. I might add, you're the only. Uh, you and Regan Smith are the only two NASCAR drivers to come up here and win the iconic IWK 250. But that aside, dirt tracks. How many dirt tracks do you get to throughout the course of a season? And how many races do you run on the dirt? throughout the course of a season well it's a lot easier to run a lot of dirt tracks than it is to run asphalt tracks so for example i've kept i've kept count people have asked me if i would let them know where i'm racing so this year was the first time that i've made it uh you know aware to the public so we've run 78 a mains already this year now 56 of those are in my own race car on dirt. Now, you know, probably, you know, there's a lot more that, you know, I drive other people's dirt cars, you know, whether I'm out in Yuma, Arizona, down by the Mexican border, or, you know, whether I'm in, you know, Wyoming or Montana, driving other people's cars. So, you know, it is very easy for me to run 50 different tracks in a year very easy uh because you know we run what we call the summer nationals and that is you know uh june july august and we'll run we'll run uh three straight uh months and we never run the same track twice so uh dirt's just super easy to run a lot of different tracks super easy is a lot of fun right that's part of it (laughs) it, 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 it really is you know it really is and i'll tell you why because, you know, when I ran asphalt, and I still do run asphalt. Actually, this year, I ran Berlin. Uh, we, we had two 30-lappers there in the wedge, super late models. And uh, then I got a good car. I ran second in both of them. Um, That's a wacky you know, racetrack, ain't it? <laughs> I love it. You know, I kind of <laughs> cut my teeth there when I started in ASA, you know, back in 86, 87, 88. And, uh, but we went back and, you know, uh, once again, drove somebody else's car. And it was a great race car. Very clean, but uh, so you know, then we went up to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and we ran Kenross, a little bit of the old bull ring, one there. We, you know, so I've been running these asphalt cars, you know, about six, seven times a year, and now we're going to now Nashville Fairgrounds. But, but let me just say this the reason it's so much fun to run dirt is because you might run bad at this racetrack one night, and then you go to the next track and it's got complete different soil, the dirt's different. And now, now your car comes alive. So the one thing bad about asphalt racing is that if you're no good, you're kind of no good everywhere. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, this dirt racing, your car will come to life and run better at certain uh, type of dirt, you know, uh, soils. Absolutely. Kenny, uh, obviously, you know, you, you get the chance to, you know, promoters want Kenny Wallace. If I had a dirt track, I would want Kenny Wallace on my dirt track as many times a year as possible, right? You attract fans. You're, you're, you've got a, a great presence. Obviously, you know, that's just a byproduct of, of, you know, how long you've been doing it and, and, you know, all of the different great things that you've done within the sport. Uh, but you operating your own team, right? So you're just a, a, a normal race team uh, in your shop. And, and the beginning of the year, you're looking through all the different schedules, all the different things that, that are coming up. Uh, you know, from from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, and I know that changes for you throughout the year as things pop up and and all those different things. 
But you're sitting there at the beginning of the year. What does Canny Wallace look for in a race where you are bringing your own car, you're, you're showing up, you're driving through the back gate just like a normal competitor versus – you know, the, the chances where you get the opportunity to, to show up and, and you know, uh, do an appearance, if you will, uh, and drive somebody else's car. But what do you look for for Kenny Wallace to show up at, at the racetrack with his car and his team and just try to go out and get it? What, did, what do you get up for? What are you excited about? Uh, and, and what attracts you to certain, is it more geography, uh, because there's so many, or is it, is it the prestige of an event or like what, what excites you to get your, your equipment down the road to the racetrack through the back gate and, and out onto the grid? Well, that's a great question because that's what I do. Um, I'll, I'll get a new 2022 calendar, which I already have. I like to sit at my desk and I like to, I like to lay a calendar out and I like to use my pencil. You know, I, I don't got to put anything on a computer. I like to write things out and look at things, count the days I have between. What I'm looking for, number one, is now that I'm 58 years old, you know, how far do I want to travel? You know, how far is that racetrack away? That's number one. Number two is, you know, how much is it going to cost me? You know, I, it's, it's me, and then I got one I got one other 21-year-old kid that is fantastic. And, uh, you know, how many hotel rooms are we going to need for how many nights? Uh, and then the other thing, the third thing is, has that racetrack, has it been good to me? Uh, you know, and what is the rumor about that racetrack? You know, uh, is it a good racetrack? Is it fair? You know, can I can I pass? Uh, you know, so these are these are thoughts that go into it, and uh, I can tell you right now that this year, well, 2022, I already know what I'm going to do in my head. I don't know where I'm going to race, but I know this year I'm going to I'm going to run around home way more than I ever have because I'm getting tired of driving the truck and trailer at 58 years old, and you know I, I do all my own work with help from. You know, my, my, my dear friend Austin worked for me, uh, but we work together. You know, I'm retired. We come up to the shop every morning around 1030. We don't like to get up early because them days are over. Mm-hmm. We're not working for a living anymore. We did that a lot. Uh, we used to get up at 4 in the morning. No, we don't do that anymore. So, we, you know, all these things tie in. How, how hard do I want to race? So, you know, next year it's going to be easy for me to run, you know, 45 races. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do less appearances next year, so uh, you know I did about 12 appearance races last year where, you know I go to racetracks and drive other people's cars. I'm gonna do less of that. I'm gonna race more around home, and uh, we're gonna stay away from the tracks that have not been good to me, and uh, that's our that's our new strategy. Now you say you say that it, it's October here, but next year you'll have thirteen appearances. You know that <laughs> that's the way that, that's the way that it works, Kenny. You, you just said you're going to do less of them, but you know you, you, now, you're in demand. Now, still, now you're in demand still, right? That's uh, that's the tough part. It's been they've been they've been very good to me, but what I have found is that there's some races that are important to me that I want to run. Absolutely. Where, what I did this year is I made a mistake. I I. I went in and scheduled those appearances in, you know, in the middle of January, and you know, 
and I, and then when it came time, I'm like, oh my God, why did I do that? Because I want to be at Fairbury, Illinois, running the Prairie Dirt Classic, and I found myself, you know, somewhere out in Wyoming, you know, running a really good track, and I had a good time, but I, you know, at at the moment, I wished I would not have met. I, I wish I would have not missed out on that particular event. So this year, I'm going to write those marquee events. Okay, so for you guys, you guys, you guys got your crown jewels, right? And right. You, you got to mark. So this year, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to mark my my crown jewel events, you know, right away, early January. I mean, when January 1st hits, when we all get, you know, we're done with our our partying for New Year's, I'm gonna I'm gonna get those dates. And I'm gonna write them in my calendar, and I'm gonna work around them. Well, I can tell you what, Kenny. Uh, you, you know, it, it. So many guys will say, uh, "Well, the big dogs are only going to show up when the money is way up here." That's that's what that's what attracts these guys is the dollar. And Kenny Wallace, uh, it, from what you just described to us, there's a lot more that goes into it. Uh, and not once did I hear you say, "Well, it depends on how much it pays." Instead, you look at it as how much is it going to cost me to go do it, and does it have the right deal? And has that track been good to you? And, uh, you know, have you been good on that track? And there's a lot of stuff that goes into a decision, uh, and I've been saying it for years. It's not all about the money to get teams there. It's got to be the right deal. And I think you just back that up by saying what you said. Well, yeah, I mean, 110%. I mean, you know, let's just take my experience with, you know, up there in Nova Scotia. You know, if, if somebody's gone there for 10 years in a row and they just absolutely don't do good there, you know, then, then the 11th year they might not go again because they felt like they've given it their all and they just don't do good there. And no matter how much it pays, it's like, you know what, I just don't do good there. So, uh, so you know, it doesn't matter how much they pay which which we all want good you know money to race for we all get that but you know in in my case you know my sponsors on my race car you know i work very hard for those so you know i got my budget laid out at the start of the year you know to say i'm racing a race car for a living i mean we all know that 99.5 percent of the people probably between Canada and America, you know, we don't, we don't race these things for a living. You know, maybe NASCAR, IndyCar, World of Outlaws, Sprint Cars, Lucas Oil Late Miles, World of Outlaws Late Miles. You know, and a lot of those guys, you know, they make money in their souvenirs. So, I mean, yeah, we all want to go to the big events, you know, because they have prestige. But, you know, for me right now, it's all about, you know, what I just told you. Uh, you know, being competitive – you know, I don't want to be beating my head up against the wall anymore at tracks that haven't been good to me. I'm not, you know, it's not one of those deals where I just got to keep going to see if I can get it, you know. Yep. So, um, you know, there, and, and let, you know, I, I got to tell you, I, I, I wanted most of these tracks, but some of these tracks I've wrecked my equipment a lot because, you know, they're they're tight race tracks. You know, the more likely you're going to wreck there than not. You know, it's kind of like going to Bristol, you know, or Talladega, excuse me. You go to Talladega, you know you're going to wreck. It's just like, 
you know, you might get lucky and not wreck. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and save the steering wheel. That's about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. You, you know you're, you know you're going to wreck. You just don't know how much it's going to cost, right? It's just the way that it right. is. Right, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, you know, for everybody listening, of course, we're talking to Kenny Wallace. Um, you know, he's, he's the Herminator. It's the only way that it's the whole introduction right there. Um, uh, Kenny, you are known as a guy that is opinionated and, and really you were always all, all the way through your driving career to a certain degree. Um, obviously after you took the NASCAR helmet off and you took the commentator helmet off or helmet, (laughs) sometimes you needed a helmet up there, but, but you took the, the microphone, you set it down and, and now you're, you're just a racer, race car driver. Um, you know, that, that gets out there and gets the job done. Um, and, and really you've, you've been able to open up to your fan base. You've been able to open up to, uh, you know, probably the people who aren't part of your fan base. Uh, you've, you've been able to be yourself 100% all the way through. And I know that you still have sponsors and you still have obligations and you still have an image to uphold. Uh, but, but you have, you know, opened up and I, I don't think that's, that's news to anybody. Um, right. a, a piece of news that came down through the pipe this year, uh, on, on the NASCAR side, um, you know, is, is Matt DiBenedetto and, and his whole program with the 21 camp, uh, he, you know, issued a, a, you know, a heartfelt message, if you will, uh, to, to the, you know, to his fan base and, and, you know, he, he stated that he doesn't want to be handcuffed, if you will, to a certain image. He wants to be able to showcase his own image. He wants to be able to, you know, support the things that he wants to, whether it be politically or, or faith-based and all of those different things. And I'm not trying to, to pigeonhole you in here on, on a question, but, but, when you when when that whole deal came down and and the way that he delivered it and the way that that you know the 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 fan base reacted to it um it, talk a little bit about your transition into being um you know more opinionated if you will or or being able to be yourself and and talk a little bit about the the way that that the handcuffs are placed on to some of those you know, 0.5% of the guys who are doing this for a living? Well, it's, it's a fine line. It's, uh, you, you can't always do it. Uh, for example, I have a lot of people that call me in NASCAR right now. They're all my friends. Everybody in NASCAR still are my friends. They're jealous of me. They call me up and they go, darn it, you figured it out. You did it right. You know, we want to do what you're doing, you know, this is a mess. You know, we got sponsors. We can't say what we think because we'll get in trouble. So I understand why they cannot say anything. The way I act is not for everybody. So, you know, I say what I think, but I'm not mean. And that's what has always worked for me. So, you know, for example, today, I said, oh, my Lord, is this really the crowd at Kansas Speedway? You know, mm-hmm. tell me what I can do to help NASCAR. So, you know, it was a great conversation, so much to where Marcus Smith, who owns all the racetracks, you know, you know, Sonoma, Bristol, Charlotte, he chimed in and said, you're exactly right, Kenny Wallace. You know, and uh, it made me look fantastic. Because when I start a conversation, you know, you know it, it's controversial, but I'm not mean so that, that's the key. You know, okay, look, this crowd is horrible. 
what can I do to help? What can we do to fix this? Because it's, it's a disaster, you know. So uh, that has always worked for me. You can't call people names. You can't say they're stupid. And, uh, Even though you want to. <laughs> At times. <laughs> At times. You know, there, there, listen, there, there's no doubt that there's people in charge that they shouldn't be in charge. They need to be let go. Yep. Because, you know, if, if, you're, if you're a manager or a coach and your record was 0-20, you know, we haven't fixed this in 20 years, you'd probably be let go. Yeah, you know? 100%. I mean, it's no different than Matt Benedetto. You know, he's, he's being let go. Yep. And, uh, you know, it hurts. I mean, I've, I've been let go before, you know. So, uh, you know, if that if that's the way we're going to all be, you know, if everybody's going to be let go because they ain't getting the job done, you know, there's there's people, you know, that need to be let go in life, and, and I'm okay with it. You know, it hurts like hell. But, you know, and here's the deal. A lot of people that get let go, they come back to win and be better, you know. So we just got to address the issue, and uh, I've lived it my whole life, you know. And, uh, a lot of people absolutely a lot of people in the sport they view constructive or they they view even if it's not constructive they they view criticism as negativity and i think i get i, I get oh yeah you, know, you get blamed I for get, a lot I, I get blamed for a lot because i try to be constructive and and criticize in in places where i think that i should criticize and you're trying to but, help the but, whole time yeah the, you know i would never take anything away from motorsports i, I the only thing that i would ever want to do is is add to it and and I, I want motorsports to succeed. And I think that everybody in the sport, whether you're invested in a race car, whether you're a sponsor, whether you're a fan sitting in the in the grandstands, I think everybody treats it the same way. Now there is a certain amount of negativity out there that is uncalled for, right? And there's that's what Kenny what you just mentioned. It's the name calling, it's the you know, the backstabbing, it's the 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 bad stuff, right? And and when you look at at the overall grand scheme of things, I, I think that the the way that social media has kind of changed the landscape of motorsports is is really it, it gave everybody the the opportunity to speak up. It used to be just a driver's meeting. That's where you used to bring up your stuff to the promoter. That was it. Um because you didn't dare approach the promoter when he was riding his golf cart through the pit area. Um, you know, that, it, that those days are gone. Now everybody's got an opinion and everybody can see what everybody's opinion is. Um, but that being said, you know, I, I really, you know, I look up to guys like you who, who can, can still be constructive with everything that you put out there. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it's not a positive topic, you know, and, and sometimes, sometimes, sometimes that stuff needs to be said. And, and like you said, to start the conversation is not a bad thing. If you start the conversation with positive, you know, intentions, it, 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 you know, exposes the light on something that is uncomfortable for somebody, but it, at the end of the day is a positive for the industry, is a positive for the team, is a positive for the fan, one or the other. Um, and, and that is, that is a good thing at the end of the day to me in my books. When I look at social media today, I hear a lot of people talk about negativity. And, and negativity is a problem at short tracks. I think that short tracks need to embrace social media. They need to embrace those conversations. They need to, you know, talk about those, those tough topics that the fan raises, you know, whether that be, hey, it's too much money to get in the back gate or, hey, you know, uh, I'm not coming back because there was only eight late models there, whatever that might be. 
you know, engage that conversation. Don't run away from it, and there won't be viewed as a negative anymore. And and uh, I think that that Kenny, you are a, an ambassador for that, and I think that you have taken the bull by the horns. And you know, I, it, it's me saying positive things about you right now, but you know that there's somebody over to the right of me that's that's completely opposite, right? But that's because Hold it's on a opinion. second. I'm sitting to your right. And no, I no, love no Kenny. I don't. I don't mean. I, I don't mean you. I don't know mean what you. you're talking but about. But what I mean <laughs> is is. You know, there, there's got to be there, the on the opinionated side. Uh, you have to be commended for what you do for the sport because really, you do a lot for the sport, and it's not just behind the wheel, and it's not just holding the trophy and kissing the pretty girl. It is the the the, the positives, and uh, you know, I, I think that you need to be commended for that. Once again, you know, I think it's a fine line, and you know, when we think about that type of talk. I think of Robin Miller, who, you know, died a month ago. Absolutely. Uh, Robin, Robin was a reporter for Open Wheel Racing, more likely, you know, the Indy 500. And he got into combative battles with IndyCar and A.J. Foyt. And, you know what, they ended up loving him a lot because, you know, uh, Robin Miller, you know, he was a race car driver. He, he did race. Uh, so, you know, he, he had validity meaning that it was fair, you know, for him to talk and say what he thinks. You know, and nine times out of ten, when you sit down with people in a quiet room, they're thinking the same thing you are. Right. You know, why is there only eight late models? You know, why, why is the back pit gate charging us $40? Uh, you know, and, and, and yes, I think that that needs to be talked about, but I also think there needs to be a forum for it. So, in other words, you know, address the issue, and then, you know, when it keeps going on. So some people like to beat a dead horse, you know. So on Facebook, if a racetrack addresses why there's only eight eight miles and why the pit gate's charging $40, you address it, you answer some questions, and you move on. But you don't keep talking about it a month later. Exactly. Right. You yep. know, because then it's too much. Yeah, 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 and you're right. Uh, it, you know, I love listening to Dave Moody and Sirius NASCAR. And uh, what Dave, what I've always taken away from Moody, you know, uh, he deals with, uh, the, you know, a lot of people calling in, and sometimes it's not real favorable. You know, Dave uh, said something a long time ago that has really sunk in with me and stayed with me uh, all this time, and that is if you're going to call and you're going to say something, uh, and, and you want to speak your mind, I got no problem with that. But please try and have a solution to the problem as much yeah, as you ready. got a thing. You know? 100%. And it, it's always good. If, even if the solution isn't really a solution, at least someone's trying to fix the problem so that all of us can be in a better place. Right. Yeah. I agree with that 110%. You know, just constantly downing things and then not having any know-how what you're doing. You know, it, it, it's, you know there, there's an old saying, there's a leader and then there's a follower. And if you want to follow, that's okay, but you've got to be understanding that you're not a leader. So right. uh, it, it's, it's, it's very hard to fix things overnight. Incredible. Kenny Wallace, uh, this has been great catching up with you, man. Uh, so your next race, whereabouts are you heading? You're heading to Nashville. You're heading down down to Volusia. But where is your next race? When can fans look forward to seeing you? So myself and Kenny Schrader are going to be headed down to Nashville, Tennessee. The All-American 400 is on Sunday. However, what has changed uh, this year 
is they're going to run about you know four other big asphalt divisions. So myself and Kenny Schrader are going to be running a hundred lap A main on Saturday in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I'm, we won't be racing the All American 400. Uh, we're too old to run 400 laps. <laughs> that's too much. Uh, you know, I, I guess uh, you know an IWK 250. That's about my limit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna do that, and then um, it's a big weekend. You know, you got Kid Rock. He's gonna be the Grand Marshal. You know, it's in Nashville, Tennessee, and then um, I'm gonna do some family things. My brother Mike's got his kid getting married, but. My next race for my race car will be two weeks in a row. I'll be racing November 13th, uh, this November 13th in uh, Volusia, down at Daytona Beach, Florida. That November 13th, that's basically a, a local show. Uh, but then I'm really down there for the very next week, which is November 20th. It's the Rudiman Memorial Race, paying 7000 to win. So, um, yeah, I'll be headed south and... Uh, Check me out. Oh, absolutely. Hey, uh, you got to do me a favor, Herm, and I'm really hoping that we're going to get to Daytona this year. The border's going to be open up, and uh, COVID and all this kind of stuff's going to be history. At least I hope all of it's in the rearview mirror by then. Herm, you got to save me at least one 2021 Herm T-shirt. I know you blow them out when you get down there. Is there going to be a big sale on the uh, on the Herminator stuff? Come November. Why don't you buy the 2022 and then you support the guy? No, don't, no. don't look for the sale item. No, no. I want the sale. I want the 21 You want to save stuff. the money. You want to save the money. That's look what at, you're doing. I'm an old guy now. You want it. I'm an he old man. He wants a man. cheap t-shirt, Kenny. <laughs> I'll get you a free t-shirt. Come see me. <laughs> you're too good. Oh. Oh, you know what? We just got hey, a tweet too. Yeah, we we, did, gotta, we, we did get a tweet here, um, and and Sammy Putnam here. He said, "Are you going to be running?" And I don't know whether they have released this yet or not. So this might be one of your appearances up here, Kenny. <laughs> uh, ask him if he's running the Pinty's Dirt Race next year. Now I haven't seen a Pinty schedule, so if you are, then you're going to be releasing some news here. But uh, <laughs> are are you planning? I know you were planning on running it before COVID happened, uh, but uh, if they end up going to Ashwikan, are you going to Strap into one of these Pinty's cars. I would love to. All right, they got to call me up and ask me, and it's got to fit fit one of my dates. That that's something. That's something that I would like to do. That interests me. Ten four. Ah, that would be a good one. Uh, final closing thought here. Now we love Kenny Schrader too. Uh, we, we love her Kenny Wallace, but we love her Kenny Schrader. I don't know which one he is to take at Nashville. Who is going to be victorious? I know you, Herminator, are going to say you are. But I don't know. He's pretty damn good on asphalt, too. Yeah, Kenny. Kenny's actually, this series that we're going to run, Kenny ran this series, I believe, earlier this year. And uh, so he's going right back. So he's got an advantage on me right now. But, you know, hey, Nashville Fairgrounds is, is a track that I cut my teeth on. I understand it. Haven't been there in a long time, though. So, uh Hey, we'll see, man. <laughs> just like riding a bike, Herm. Just like riding a bike. Right. <laughs> well, uh, maybe an older bike. Older bike, but, uh, hey, it's all good. Uh, with any luck at all, and you can maybe run this one by Kenny, uh, with any luck at all, we'll get whoever is victorious, we'll get them back on Race Time Radio, and we'll have some fun talking about it. I would love that. You're, you're, you're a good man, and I really appreciate all you've done all these years, you know, when we ran the uh, the Bush Series, which is now the Xfinity Series, same thing. Uh, yep. But when I would see you all the time up at uh, 
you know, up there at, at Montreal. You know, it was, it was such a pleasure to see you there. And, and you, you truly do work hard for the sport. And, you know, you're kind of like me. We're, you know, we're still around, man. You guys are a bunch uh, of cockroaches. <laughs> it's impossible to get rid of both yeah, of you. You're right. You know, so is Cher. You know, they say the world's going to be over and there'll be cockroaches and, and Cher. So, <laughs> uh, that'll be what's left. Oh, incredible. Kenny Wallace, love you like a brother. You have a good, safe trip. And uh, well, I know we'll be in touch soon. We'll all follow you along on Twitter, brother. Okay, bye-bye. You betcha. That is the Herminator, Kenny Wallace. Love the guy to death. Uh, Great guy. Follow him on Twitter. If you don't, you gotta. We're going to hit this break. When we come back, we're going to grab Ken Van, talk CSRA. We still have Kyle Steckley to come up talking about his Flamborough Championship. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. Hey, race fans. This is Max Pappas, and you're listening to Race Time Radio. Tonight's Race Time Radio is brought to you by Rev TV Canada, Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, and by GetRackHunter.com. For two decades. Hello, fellow Americans. The artists who make history. It's the music that keeps me going. Have made it. Here, we live 20 years of Sirius XM with performances, interviews, and magic moments from Taylor Swift, Paul McCartney, Bruce Springsteen, and so much more. We're going to do some acoustic versions of songs off of Lover. 20 years, 20 defining moments, one collection, only on the SXM app. Thank you so much. All North Racing, only on Rev TV. Contact your TV provider. Even though Napa is a nationally known name, Nearly all of our stores are built from the ground up by local owners and families. People you might call neighbors will be here, there, and everywhere. Doing what neighbors do to keep their communities moving forward. You stop by a Napa Auto Parts store, you can count on Napa know-how. Tonight's Race Time Radio is brought to you by Napa Auto Parts stores, Port Hawkesbury, New Glasgow, and Andy Gadish, Nova Scotia. Also by APX Racewear and Quickwick Fire Starters, the world's best fire starter. Fox News Headlines 24-7 is on Sirius XM with headlines every 15 minutes. I'm Kevin Brinkholm. I'm Therese Crawford. I'm Jim McKay. A channel that delivers your world news, business, what's trending in digital, entertainment, and sports. Your news in a way you've never heard before with headlines every 15 minutes. Fox News Headlines 24-7. All the information you need. Ready with you all. From America's News Headquarters. Sirius XM Channel 115. Or listen on the Sirius XM app. Drivers, start your engines! Welcome back to the track. Live on Race Time Radio, Sirius XM 167. Welcome back, everybody, to Race Time Radio Live tonight on Sirius XM Channel 167 Canada Talks. Man, I'm so glad you could tune in tonight. Uh, we are getting ready here. Sue is working up Canavan, uh, the owner-promoter of the CSRA, of course, 
Canada's National Snowcross Series. Uh, Kenny is all set and ready to go uh, for a brand new season of snowcross. And uh, yeah, that, he joins us right now, actually, on the hotline. Let's welcome him in. Ken Van. how are you tonight, buddy? Real good, Joe. How you doing? Fantastic. Uh, let, just let me set the stage here for everybody. Uh, the, the snowcross season is going to fire off come January. And uh, Ken has got, uh, I believe, full schedule, all planned. And I believe it just hit the website earlier today. Uh, maybe as, uh, as late as yesterday, but I believe it was today. And uh, Ken, you're all ready to go for a new season. Uh, you, you'll be praying for snow already. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen real soon now. You can feel the air cooling off. Yes, for sure. They're cooling off. We're getting really excited about the uh, about the circuit for this year. We're going to go back to a full uh, nine weekends of racing. So uh, now we've got COVID pretty much behind us. We all hope. So um, we're planning on a full schedule, and uh, we're going to start the uh, season opener off up in your area at uh, Sabo Speedway. Hopefully, if we get some good snow up there. Oh man, I can't tell you how uh, uh, that news is incredible for all the snowcross fans up in the uh, you know the Grey Bruce area. Uh, really, uh, anybody near southern Ontario, all of us love watching snowcross in the winter. Uh, but up in this area was a real hotbed back in the day with the Georgian Cup and the Van Dolders and, uh, you know, all the different race teams that are up this way. Uh, it, we used to always go to Owen Sound and watch snowcross when you guys would tour into town. It's been a few years. When was the last time you were in Owen Sound? That's been quite a few years now, right? That's going to make you feel old. <laughs> yes, it has. It's probably 10 years now, Joe. Like we, we, you know, we love coming to Owen Sound. It's a fabulous market for, for the snowmobile industry up there. You know, lots of history for sure with the, uh, with the Georgian Cup and the Vandola teams and all the, all the great races that come out of that, uh, that area. And for us, um, it's just a superb area because uh, of the amount of snow you guys get up there, you know. So we're looking forward to uh, taking a bit of a gamble, but we're looking forward to trying to do an earlier season event, like going to uh, as early as January 8th and 9th weekend this year. So, um, yeah, we're hoping to pull off a great event up there and then keep it uh, making it an annual event for years to come. Incredible. Ken, how many years has CSRA been in existence? When did you start it up and how long have you been going? So I started, uh, snowcross racing started in Canada in 93. That's when we started it up. So we've been going now for 28 years. Wow. 28 years. 28 years, yeah. It's been, it's been a, it doesn't seem that long, but you know, it's been a, it's been a great run so far. Uh, we've got a fabulous a group of racers. You know, the racers have turned over a couple times, obviously. It's uh, more of a younger person sport. And some of the guys that started with us way back then are now um, having children and have their children coming to race with us. So <clears throat> nice circle there. But um, all in all, it's been, it's been great. You know, we've got great, great racers, great sponsors, and we've got, uh, you know, a great series of venues and races uh, coming up at um, some nice world-class sites. So did you, a little history on Ken Van here. You were a racer, right? You've been a racer your whole life uh, on snow. Did you start out in the oval track side of things, uh, and then get into snowcross, or how did that go? Yeah, I started racing in 76 um, as a kid, basically 16 years old, and then I, I jumped right into the pro stuff when I was um, 18, racing snow pro. Um, and then I kind of stuck with it. You know, I, I ran the oval races for many, many years, and I was on the board of directors for the OSRF. 
and uh, had some fabulous uh, times on the oval circuit. Um, but as, as times changed and the uh, machines started to become really high tech, um, a few of the manufacturers dropped out, and mainly Skidoo was, you know, the main, the main uh, manufacturer supporting the oval racing. And at that time, um, you know, Snowcross is coming online in Europe and, and moving to the states. So that's when I, um, I made the move to uh, try running a Snowcross race here in Ontario. And it, um, yeah, we had a great we had to get go. We had I think we had 200 racers the very first race out, and then from there it just grew to the point. Uh, I guess in 99, 2000, we had as many as a thousand a thousand racers between um, the circuit here in Ontario, and I also started the ASRA circuit in Michigan. So that was the kind of the peak of the sport. You know, we had a, a thousand racers, and it was uh, it was crazy, but um, great great times and great memories. Um, you know, from there we did a full on indoor stadium tour. And then, you know, the Metro Dome and Silver Dome and uh, Fargo Dome and all the big, big stadiums, the, uh, the Rogers Center, Sky Dome here at the time. Um, so, yeah, so we've, we've done a lot and, uh, and we're still hanging in here. Now we've kind of backed off and just kind of uh, run the Canadian National Circuit um, here, but it's primarily the events taking place in Ontario and Quebec. Um, we do the big um, event in uh, Valcourt. We sanction that event in Valcourt, Quebec. That event's been going for 40 years. Um, it, it also is primarily an oval, an oval race in past years, and now it's, it's transitioning more so to, um, to snowcross. But um, the fans there love uh, seeing the oval racing still, so we, uh, you know that still goes on as well. And they've got a great show there um, every year, and this will be their 40th year anniversary. So we're looking forward to helping them out with that, uh, with that event at Belcourt. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Uh, you know, I, I'm always astonished. I've been watching snowcross for a lot of years. I'm going to say, well, probably, uh, I don't know, 15, 20 years uh, that, that I've watched Snowcross uh, in various stages. And what I'm always astonished at, Ken, is the height that these guys get to, whether it be the pro riders, the, uh, you know, the pro lights, uh, well, even the trail class, you know, uh, they're all hitting, they're running the same track. Uh, now, they all haven't got the same horsepower. The pro riders have got all the uh, all the tools in the drawer, so to speak. But I'm always amazed at the height that these guys get on those sleds. Technology has come so far. But when you're building that racetrack, uh, you, and you do it every venue that you go to, you're the guy that, you know, sort of maps the track out. It's never the same track twice, I don't believe. Uh, how do you do the math on that? Uh, those jumps have got to be so far apart, right? Or it's just about impossible to run that course. Yeah. So, well, the technology has changed so much since we started the sport, you know, 28 years ago when we did such a six-inch suspension. Now it's like a level of a foot. And um, right now, actually, it's a real challenge trying to build the track to slow these guys down because the, the sleds are so good. They never break anymore. They run them full throttle. You know, they're hitting moguls 8, 10, 15, 20 feet sometimes in height. Uh, you know, sometimes those whoop sections get so nasty that you could basically hide the groomer between them and not even see the thing, you know. It's uh, it's crazy how, how good these riders are now, how talented they are, and what kind of physical conditioning they're in. Um, and then as well as the machines, the machines are phenomenal. It's, um, it's just unbelievable the, the pounding that these things take and, and don't break. Um but anyhow, yeah, that's that's technology. The suspension systems are awesome, and, and the horsepower out of the 600 PC engine uh, is fabulous. What we're making now, we've changed the rules a little bit over the years. We're now the guys all run a production 600 PC motor, um, 
the only difference being with the pro and pro light rod if they have a pipe on them. Um, other than that, the motor still stays stock. We, we changed those rules a few years back. Uh, CSRA kind of initiated that change with ISR. Now it's, uh, it's a worldwide rule um, for these pro classes. And they did that basically to uh, keep the cost down. Um, it was getting a little bit a little bit crazy costing-wise to build a, a full-up mod sled, upward of 60 grand, to do a, a proper, you know, a sled that was, if you wanted to win like a, a world championship type wow. thing. So it was just getting a little bit out of hand. So we went back to a more of a production-based sled. The sled's are fabulous now. The horsepower they're putting out is, is pretty much on par to what a, a 440 open class sled was year, years ago. Um, and, uh, yeah, they all run pretty much the same thing. It's a real good equalizer for the, uh, for the machinery, keeping the cost down. It really puts the onus on the, um, on the racer and the mechanic setting the machine up because there's only so much you can do. Wow. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's worked really well, and, and, uh, and it's, it's some great entertainment for these, for these guys the way they, they jump and, and fly around these race courses. Well, so cool, too. When you look at a snowcross event, a CSRA snowcross event, uh, what I like is you get everything at that event, uh, right from the kids that are starting out. Uh, you know, you, you've got a division for them. You've got a division for the novice kid. you got, you know, the next group up. And it works all the way up to the pro riders. Uh, you get a good cross-section. What's all sanctioned for two, 2022 with CSRA? What are the feature divisions uh, the fans can expect to see this year? Well, you know, we built the circuit up on, on the amateur amateur classes and, and the kids' classes. So, CSRA is probably the largest kids' classes anywhere for snowmobile racing right now. I think we have about, we have a couple hundred to 300 possible uh, kids racing, um, racing sleds starting from as young as four years of age on the little uh, 120cc and, and the uh, novice 200cc sleds. Um, some of these classes have 60 riders in them. There's five classes uh, for little kids like that, and then um, and then from there they move up into uh, a transition class. And in those classes, basically what we've done, we created some rules where um, in a transition class the kids can buy uh, a pro leg or a pro race leg um, with a detuned kit. Um, DCU is detuned to 6,000 RPM, and um, basically these kids will hop on a, a sled that one of the top riders might have had the year before. So they get to buy a sled for a half decent price. They pick them up for like six or seven grand. They can't possibly hurt the sled. It's detuned uh, to like 60 horsepower, so it's nice and safe for the kids. And what that did is it created a cycle, uh, a cycle for the um, the pro riders and the, and the big teams to get rid of their sleds because they get new ones every year. Mm-hmm. And then the kids would buy them for a good price. And um, now the kid will run that sled for four or five years. So it worked out great for the pro teams, and it worked out great for the kids. Um, because in the past, when these had the pro open type sleds, every year that sled would get thrown into a barn and it would never get used again because the guys always wanted the latest in technology. So the last just like was away. There's no place for it to go. So we flipped that around as well by going to this uh, 600 production production engine with the pipes on it. And now it just gets um, you know detuned a little bit. Pipe goes off, stock pipe goes back on, and the kids the kids race them for four or five years. So that class is really solid and strong, and, um, and it works fabulous for developing these kids. Because now when they go off that sled onto a, a real race sled, there really isn't much difference. They're, they're just hopping onto our nearest sled. Yeah. So they're well, you know, they're well trained on a, on a, on what the sled's going to do. Now that when they get into the bigger classes, obviously when they're an adult, they got a lot more horsepower. 
Yeah, a dynamite. Uh, I I just love seeing the diversification. Uh, when I get to a snowcross event, and you've got eight of them, I believe, lined up this year. You're going to be right across Ontario, uh, up in the north. You're going to be in Quebec. Uh, the traditional sites, Ken, I haven't seen the schedule. Are the traditional events, the, the marquee events, all in there again for 2022? Yeah, so we're still fine-tuning the schedule a little bit, but we're starting off uh, up in Savo Beach at the Savo Speedway. Then we're going to Sault Ste. Marie. And then we're back to Lindsay, Ontario, Valcourt, Quebec, um, Innisville, Barrie Barry area. And then uh, Sudbury and Timmins, we're up north. Then we're back uh, in the springtime for the uh, ski resort with uh, Rita and the Kitchener at Chicksky Ski Resort. And then we do our Daco National Finals at the um, Horseshoe Resort uh, first weekend of April. So we've got uh, nine races scheduled. Um, each race will feature uh, snow bikes, uh, 22 classes of sleds, and then we'll have um, UTV side-by-sides at seven events as well, something we started a couple years ago. Um, and they're just basically support classes that provide a little bit, a bit of uh, variety and entertainment for, for the fans when they get to see the snow bikes and the side-by-sides go. And that opens the doors up to us also to have some more uh, support sponsorship for the event. And it um, helps the OEMs and manufacturers because they also, um, you know, side-by-sides, some of them some motorcycles like Yamaha as well, as well as side-by-sides. So it works out better uh, to provide all these uh, venue for all these products these power sports products to race at our events and some great entertainment for our fans. So, um, it's worked out really well so far. So we're kind of sticking to that and, and looking forward to this um, great winter ahead. Yeah, uh, dynamite stuff. I can't wait for things to all unfold. Uh, we're used to seeing you at the ATV Snowmobile Show in Toronto, but I guess COVID was still just a little too big of a problem for Toronto to happen this year. But, however, there is a show coming up, right, that you're going to be able to attend and that some fans can come out and check out. Yes, for sure. The uh, yeah, Toronto Snowmobile Show was supposed to take place this weekend. And it just, you know, the, the province announced these changes um, for the better, but a little bit, a couple weeks late for the promoters of that show, um, the Keyhole family, to actually be able to pull it off. Very, very unfortunate. They've lost that show two years in a row now, but I guess next year it'll be a gangbuster show, so we we'll look forward to that. But yes, we, uh, we are putting the show on in Peterborough at the, um, the Snowdorama show. That's a one day show on November um, 21st. It's uh, a Sunday. Uh, they have a big swap meet, a lot of vintage stuff there, and um, and then obviously there's two or three buildings of, of vendors and some, some of the latest equipment and, and dealers. It's a great show. It's jam-packed with people every year, so I, I assume that this year it's going to be uh, really crazy busy. Since uh, the Toronto show didn't happen, you're going to have a lot of a lot of people that are wound up wanting to get out that are going to come out to the show and then check it out. So that's going to be exciting. We'll be there for sure. Good deal. Now, how can fans stay up? Uh, as you mentioned, you still got some stuff you're doing to the schedule. Uh, what's the best spot to point fans to that they can check out everything CSRA? We keep doing updates um, all the time on uh, Instagram and Facebook, social media, just for sure. We keep uh, weekly updates going on there. Um, you know, that kind of ramps up this time of the year, leading into the season. And then, obviously, our website, uh, Snowcross, S-N-O-W-C-R-O-S-S.com, uh, Snowcross.com. That's, um, that's where all the information is. If new racers want to get involved, or the fans want to see what's going on or how to get involved and schedules of events and that type of thing, the latest race schedules. That is always up to date there. Um, so those are the three main venues, the website and the social media. 
areas to um, keep updated with our circuit. Well, and you do a dynamite job, too, keeping them all up to date. Uh, just a super job. Ken, we appreciate the time tonight on Race Time Radio, and I can't tell you how much we're looking forward to seeing you back up this neck of the woods, uh, up in the Grey Bruce area uh, with CSRA Championship Snowcross. And I know everybody's excited for the season that's coming up. COVID in the rearview mirror, hopefully, by the time that green flag goes in the air. And uh, we can all have a real good winter season. Absolutely. Thank you, Joe, so much as well. You're so, so enthusiastic with your coverage program and the radio station. You're doing fabulous job. And um, we appreciate all the support you give our, our snowcross as well. So keep up the good work, and uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. Absolutely. That's Kenna Van, the president of CSRA, uh, getting ready for a great season, Junior. And uh, I love watching those sleds. I know you and I, when you were a little guy, uh, we, we would go into Owen Sound and you used to say to me, Dad, Dad, look at this guy go. And I couldn't believe the heights they were hitting. Uh, it's scary at times, but pro riders, man, they can get her done. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's definitely unique. It's, uh, you know, you see the same thing out of uh, out of motocross and, and, you know, to see a, a heavy snowmobile do the things that they can make them do, uh, just incredible. It's uh, uh, the CSRA series, they come in with like a full-blown deal. You know, it is it is an event in itself. Uh, just just taking a look at what they have, the equipment and all of that stuff uh, is incredible. And, and uh, it's a traveling road show, man. It's uh, it's everything that you see at a local Saturday night short track uh, plus some. It's, uh, you know, they have corporate partners and factory involvement. And, and uh, uh, Ken Evan and his whole team do a wonderful job with that stuff. So I, I can't wait to see what Sobble Speedway looks like uh, with a ramp in the on the front straightaway. It's <laughs> a gonna tabletop. Be cool. yeah, 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 it's going to be neat. the smell. You get the smell. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you'll be earning for summer, I'll tell you, after Absolutely. watching the CSRA race. Hey, let's get back to the hotline, shall we? And welcome in our final guest of tonight's show, uh, this driver. How about, talk, talk about lighting it up. Uh, if there is a Young Gun Award in this country, this next guest should be winning it. Uh, he drives the number 24. He won the Pro Late Model Championship at Flamborough Speedway. Uh, his first ever attempt, and he goes out and brings home the crown at the end. Let's welcome in, how about Kyle Steckley? Congratulations, Kyle. How you doing, buddy? Thanks, guys. I'm doing good. How are you? Not bad at all. Man, you got the job done. Uh, what was that season like? It must have been a lot of fun to be you. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of fun. We came into the season moving up from the mini stock, and we weren't really sure what to expect, but we went out to Flamborough every week and just wanted to learn as much as we can, and we end up getting a bunch of wins and getting the championship. Kyle, what was the point of the season where you sort of went, hey, uh, Dad, well, Scott Steckley is your dad. Uh, of course, the iconic 22 uh, in the NASCAR Penny Series. That is uh, Kyle's dad. What point of the year, Kyle, did you look and say, hey, Dad, I've actually got a shot at this title? Uh, well, I think, I think after a couple races, I was – always bugging him to do an APC race, and I, I got a couple wins in at Flamborough, and then I was able to convince him to let me do the Flamborough APC, and one, after we did that and won that race, I think I, we realized then that we had a chance at winning the championship. Absolutely. So Kyle, a good confidence boost is what that was. Absolutely. Kyle, uh, you rolled in to, uh, to Flamborough Speedway every night uh, throughout the year, and 
And I think that, you know, when you look and you talk to people within the industry, um, you know, it's it's nothing for, for everybody to have their eye on somebody coming up through the ranks. But when you talk about Kyle Steckley in a late model this year, you were the talk of every pit area that I was in <laughs> from from, you know, uh, from Quebec to to every racetrack in Ontario. Um, it seemed like if we talked about late model racing, your name popped up. Um, talk a little bit about your relationship with, with obviously, uh, the, the team that you guys have behind you, but as well with McCall Racing Enterprises, uh, you guys really, uh, you got a chance to get out to the racetrack and, and support Mike as well throughout the season. Yeah, you know, the relationship between our team and MRE, it's definitely a good relationship where we obviously have an MRE chassis and we, they've helped us a ton this year, but we kind of... We kind of do our own thing at the track. We they obviously help us out, but it's our own our own team and everything like that going to the track. So I think uh, we both help each other out. You know, we tell them stuff we learn, uh, tests, and and all all that type of thing. And they've definitely helped us out in the late mall program because it it's nothing like a Pinty's car, that's for sure. So the rela- relationship between our two teams, I think, was really good this year, and hopefully we can continue it on next season. Well, we're getting close to the top of the hour. We're going to have to throw the keys back to Sirius XM here, uh, Kyle. But I got to ask you this. You come away with the championship, Flamborough Speedway, in the pro late model class. What is the talk so far for 2022? Is it going to be APC full tilt? Or are you going to be able to at least needle the old boy to get you into one of those Pindy's cars? I think the plan is to run the APC series. That's what we're working on right now. And maybe if we can find some funding, find a good supporter, we'll we'll make a we'll make a pinty start. Just maybe, but I think our focus is going to be on the APC series for 2022. Well, you know what? There's nothing wrong with that, my friend. Uh, you will be a perfect fit for that, uh, which you know already. Uh, <coughs> running at Flamborough Speedway and winning that race. You got a pretty good feel for that division and what you're going to be up against. This is going to be a tough deal. Yeah, absolutely. They definitely have a tough field every week. So we're gonna we're gonna go to work this off season and try and make her better and and come out strong in 2022. Kyle Steckley, we will be in touch over the off season. Uh, Junior and I'll check in with you, get you back on the show, and uh, see how the plans are coming as they start to unfold through the off season. Sound good? Awesome. Thanks, guys. You betcha. Kyle Steckley, champion at Flamborough Speedway. Tough, tough deal. Tell you what, Quickwick support, supported some young guns this year, didn't they? Oh. Trayton Lapsovich in the in the uh, in, in the NASCAR Pinty Series, and and as well on the late model side. But then as well, Kyle Steckley, uh, lighting the lamp, man. The kid did wild lighting um, the fire. He he lit the fire for sure. Um, but uh, it was definitely incredible to watch Kyle Steckley's progression throughout the year. We talked about him the year prior. Uh, he got his you oh, know yeah. chance to race with DJ and those guys in the Frostoberfest event. Uh, came out of there with a straight race car and a top five finish. Uh, really turned a lot of heads, but I don't think anybody's seen the performance coming that that he came out of the box with. And and uh, hats off to each one of those guys uh, on that twenty two team and or twenty four team for twenty two racing. Yeah, dynamite stuff. You know what, Junior? That believe it or not, two hours has gone on by here tonight on Race Time Radio. We got to thank you all for tuning in. Got to thank all of our guests tonight. Of course, Nick, 
Uh, it, Nick Sheridan did a dynamite job in that 45. Kenny Wallace jumping on tonight. Ken Evansia-Sure. And, of course, Kyle Steckley, the pro late model champion of Flamborough Speed. We've got to thank Susie Q right here in the Race Time Radio studio for getting us all wired up. And how about this, Junior? You're back. I didn't hit the wrong button tonight. I finally mashed all the right ones for one full night. How about that? Hey, you did good. Thank you. you. As well, big congratulations to Shea Gemmel for winning the Grisdale Triple Crown Championship. We're going to get him on next week. Yes, sounds a good idea. That's it for us. Have a good one, everybody. Uh, Be safe. We'll catch you next Sunday night, live, right here on Sirius XM, Channel 167, Canada Talks. Thanks for listening to Race Time Radio. Visit us on the web at www.racetimeradio.com. We hope you'll join us again next time for more Race Time Radio. Come on now, dig, dig, dig. Exclusively on your home for the hardcore race fan. Excellent, buddy, excellent. 